It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the new episode of the Roker Report. Uh, it's been a, it hasn't been a very busy week at all for us, really, because Sunderland weren't playing, so we've all occupied ourselves in our own, in our own little fashion. Um, today, I'm joined by Gav. How you doing, Gav? I'm all right, mate. No sun to spoil this weekend. Yeah. All good. Always Pretty a good, good thing. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, time, mate. Good times. James, how are you, my friend? Yeah, very well. Same as the other boys, very happy with no sun and games to get me down over on Saturday. Yeah, it's funny how happy we can be when we're not deliberately depressed, isn't it? <laughs> and Jim, <laughs> we've got Jim. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Glad to be back. I haven't been on a few weeks. I'm glad to have the name Jim now, because there are just so many unimaginative parents in the world. And we've just got <laughs> too many people going on. Good times. Well, yeah, obviously a good weekend for most of us. Um, nothing to bring us down, as it were, except... The impending knowledge of uh, another match coming up. Uh, this time it's against Borough. Uh, not doing too well themselves, to be honest. We were just having a little look at their stats, and I believe they're um, a little bit further behind than we are, although the table doesn't show that. But certainly form-wise, Tom, you know a little bit about them. What do you make of them? Uh, the crap. Absolute <laughs> crap. Good. They can't. <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> they can't. The main problem is they can't score goals. Uh, like Gestead and. Well, Negredo started quite well, and it looked a bit like an inspired signing, but it gone completely off off the boil. They can't. Um, they brought in players like uh, Gestead, who who was a bit baffling really because he didn't. He wasn't really a prolific goal scorer for Villa or even well Blackburn in the Championship, um, and he wasn't really going to solve their uh, goal scoring issues. And also, they bought Patrick Bamford, which at the time I thought, oh, that maybe for this lad it's finally. Um, his chance to go back to a club he was doing very well at. Uh, but he's not, he barely plays and he's not started a game. Um, he sacked Karanka, which probably looked about, probably looked about right. Um, but I think they, they really missed a trick with, by not getting a, a manager, an actual manager in. It's very admirable getting, giving the job to Steve Agnew. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's worked at, like Shakespeare at Leicester, it's worked there. But, very different circumstances and very much better team. And while it got a bit, it got some plaudits that they stayed within the club and promoted from within. It's it's looking like a massive missed opportunity for them to get someone like, um, like say for instance Pardew, who probably would have given them a bounce of some sort. Um, but since Agnew's come in, they've been now not only can they not score. They now can't defend, which was, which was kind of a bit of Karanka's saving grace because he always had this idea of, well, you know, keep it tight at the back. Uh, quite weird that for someone who used to play for Real Madrid. Yeah. But now they can't. Uh, now they can't defend. They've conceded. They conceded four. They got absolute pace the weekend against Bournemouth, and they, they and that's the, the second time in four games that they conceded four to a team like around them. And I mean we're crap, but I think we all. <laughs> I think Wednesday is just going to be two desperately poor teams playing out a desperately poor game of football. <laughs> and I'd hazard a guess that well, since we can't score and they can't score and they can't, well, it's going to be nil nil. I can tell you that. It, I could. I'd hazard a guess right now that it's going to be nil nil, and it'll help none of us. And the the beautiful hotbed of football in the northeast will be. We'll be going down together, arm in arm, for our 
our lovely derby in the championship next year. <laughs> maybe, great. maybe Newcastle I'd... will be with us because they're trying their hardest not to get promoted. I'd say they're drawing at the moment, aren't they? But yeah. um, I, I agree with I agree with with Tom. I, I don't think it's going to be a very good game. I think if you take out someone like Alvaro Negredo out out of um, Middlesbrough's side, you take out all their threat. You take out Jermaine Defoe from our side, and you take out all of our threat. Mm. Um, I mean, our just looking at the stats. I mean. Our th- I didn't realise, but our third top goalscorer this season is still Patrick Van Arnold. And our third top passer this season is still Patrick Van Arnold. Mm. And you think that's that's pretty dire considering yeah. he left a few months ago. Um, I just think you, both sides are lacking in confidence. You'd hope that, you know, Wabi Kazri will, will, will play again. And if he plays to the same kind of standard, we might cause him some problems. I think it might be one of those games where... You know, it'd probably be quite frantic early on with it being a in inverted commas derby, um, and it might be a you know a set player or a mistake that who that kind of settles it. I can't see it being full of quality, that's for sure. I, I actually, I actually think that we might do all right. I, I kind of, it's not like me to be positive either, but I, I just feel, I feel that having watched Middlesbrough a little bit recently and having seen us all season, I should know better than to think this. Um, I, I do feel they might get something, and I think I think if there's one, if one of us is going to score a goal, I think it's going to be us. Because you're, you're right, what you're saying earlier there, they are just god awful. Like up front, you would think, you know, a player like Negredo they would play to his strengths, but they don't at all. There's there's not enough crosses going to the box. Kind of they're, they're like us in a lot in a lot of ways. They're, they're disjointed. Uh, they didn't sign players who they needed. They just signed players for the sake of it. You know. Getting rid of David Nugent and um, Jordan Rhodes and replacing them with Gisted and Patrick Bamford just kind of makes you wonder whether they were planning for the championship when they made those signings. Uh, and then obviously you've got Trioria, the winger, who looks absolutely fantastic until he actually has to do something with the ball and then yeah. invariably frigs it up. So I'm, I'm not worried about what they've got really. I think mm. I think that if they could get down the wings past our fullbacks and, and lob it in they'll score for fun because we really struggled against big strikers this season um, you know Ben, ben Tekie, I mean, done the business again at the weekend for for Palace but he he had us earlier in the season we've seen Ibrahimovic do it um, Giroud you know anybody with a bit of height seemingly mm. seems to do well against Sunderland so I do think that you know like what Jim says you, you cut off you cut off Negredo and that's pretty much all they've got. Um but I think I think the point you made earlier, Jim, about Kazri was a good one. Uh he's he's got to play, but I'm not convinced he will. There's something inside of us just nagging telling me that he won't play. Because he he well he does, he does, but I've just got a feeling that he might not. You know, he was a bit of he's a bit of a homer, isn't he, Kazri? Uh-huh. He is. He's not he's he, Good in the home games, and then you go away, and you wouldn't see him do anything. But I think I just think for the creativity that he, he gave us in the last match, he's got to play like. But I, I'm I'm not convinced Moyes will, even just because of the backlash he's had from from playing him and him doing well. It wouldn't surprise me if he just stuck two fingers up with everyone and played Yanazai or Barini instead. Well, uh, is, he, is he really going to play Barini though after that debacle? I don't know. I've got a feeling that. Can you remember? Can you remember when? I think it was Di Canio kept us up, mm-hmm. and every game he seemed to get the best out. Of, well, not every game actually, but for the, the games that mattered, he got the best out of the players which he had at his disposal. He was very, very uncontroversial with what he was talking about in the press. And as soon as he, the season was over, he started wielding the axe and chopping and changing this and that. And I just think that Moyes is maybe a little bit in the same boat, just seeing out the season with what he's got. Um, you know, not upsetting the, the apple cart too much, so that you know, come the summer, he can he can move players around without having you know controversy hanging over him. Mm. And I think, I think in this in the instance with Barini, I think he'll probably he'll probably get game time still. I think inside Moyes is probably fuming at that, but uh, generally speaking, he's I think he's got no choice but to use the players that he's got for now. And then in the summer, you know, I think Barina be one of the first out the door. Anyways, I think we can all probably agree with that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think if he if if Kasri doesn't so it doesn't fit his plans, he might, for me he's got to play him because if he continues to play as well as he did last week, he might get more value out of him because he's got he's certainly going to be a more valuable, sellable asset than than Barini is. 
So, like, you may as well, if we can get his reputation back to almost, well, slightly higher than what it is at the moment, closer to that of last season, you might get a couple more million for him. Um, yeah, that's what he should be thinking about. I would agree with that, certainly. I mean, just before we carry on talking about these uh, potential transfers, uh, just going back to something that Tom said about... Um, about the Middlesbrough manager being a caretaker manager and with regards to Shakespeare at Leicester. I just wonder, is that something that we can expect from from pretty much every caretaker manager, would you say? Is that like a like because they don't have the ability, because they don't have the capacity to do anything but see something out? I mean, bearing in mind that, from, from my opinion anyway, what I saw from the Leicester team was based... It was a, a lot about. It was more about the how unhappy the players were with their current manager. For some reason, I don't. None of us really know what was going on there. And then it's almost like, as Tom said, they're a completely different team and a far better team. They just had this ability to sort of bounce back. Do you know what I mean? Immediately, just resume where they left off. I mean, I, th- I think that it's definitely the exception to the rule. Craig Shakespeare. I think that it's in him, the though, modern football. I don't think it's him. I think, to be honest, it, to go completely off topic and not go too far off topic, Leicester are a bit of a one-off situation. They were losing a bunch of close games all season long. They won a bunch of close games last year. And the truth of their ability obviously lies somewhere between what we saw for two-thirds of this season and what we saw last season and that really it's hard to judge them anywhere because they've just been such a crazy random football story, unlike one we've really known, well, at least in my time watching football. Mm. And I think next year under Shakespeare, they could be useless. I, could, I think we really at this stage don't know that he's that good a manager. Yeah, for whatever reason, it wasn't working anymore under Ranieri. Him going in there has given him a little lift, but we don't notice anything more than that. Decanio gave us a little lift. He's obviously a horrible manager. It was a one short little spark. Um, and and I, I think for a modern football club to be sacking their manager without an idea as to who's replacing them, I think it's just bad management on all levels. Like There's sort of this match of the day fallacy truism that Steve Gibson's a good chairman. And I'm not really sure it's true. I'm not really sure when we all decided that he was one of the best chairmen in the league and what he's really done to maintain that. He sacked Gareth Southgate when he had them in the playoffs and it took them about six years to get back up after that point. And I sort of just really wonder where are the club going? What was their game plan? I looked at sort of the squad they came up with. Kind of a bit of a championship all-star team. Sort of you look at people like Adam Clayton, Ben Gibson. They're sort of they were probably among the best players in their position, sort of top six, eight players in their position in the championship. And maybe before all this influx of money came into the Premier League, that would be enough for 15th, 16th. Ultimately, it's proven not to be enough. Negredo's been as flake as he was at Man City, but around less talented players and he scored less. So I guess we probably should have seen that coming with hindsight. And yeah, I'm more in line with Gaff. I think think we've got a good chance of beating them. Obviously, I'm expecting a poor quality game. You're talking about two teams that are destined to be relegated. But I don't see any reason if we play with the right mentality. I think Kasri absolutely will start. I think that's that's a no-brainer that we can't win the game. Well, yeah, if you, I'm sorry, Karen Jones. I was just going to say, <clears throat> Gav mentioned before about... That I think you think you mentioned. I think it was Gav's mentioned that they're they're good in the air, and you know that could be where we come undone. And that's actually a really good point because if you look at you're just flicking through the stats of season, you look at aerial battles won for for our lads, and you've got Billy Jones who's been our, our top aerial battles won with just eighty, and you've got Middlesbrough with Alvaro Negredo who's on like a hundred and seventy, and you think just the the they play a much more direct game. You've got someone like Negredo, who's very good in the air and very strong. He could cause us a few problems, but it depends. Will he, will he chuck Kone back in, do you reckon, or do you think he'll just stick with what he did last match? Well, I mean, it seemed to... I wouldn't say that it it really worked that well, because it's not like we were, doing, we were up against anything particularly uh, particularly difficult, but... Yeah, that's true enough, I suppose. When he's not injured, which I believe he is again now, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, no, for me, I'd play Kone. I mean, I, I don't I don't know why you would keep him out, do you know what I mean? For me, he's our strongest defender. Um, for whatever... 
I, I'm not sure what sort of tactical finesse there would be in in keeping him out of the squad when he's fit to play. For my part, what do you make of it? Yeah. Um, well, I think the reasoning behind him not playing was because he was absolutely shocking the week before, mm. um, the game before. I think I, I just think Lacone, he's he's patently a very good footballer. We saw it last year. Um, you know, physically dominant, quick, reads the game well. Um, he, but he just he just seems a bit off the pace at the minute. I don't know whether his mind's elsewhere. You know, I, I've I've got a feeling that's the case with a lot of the players at the minute. They can't wait to be getting away from you, you know, and mm. they're kind of counting down the days. Coney is definitely one of those. I mean, I think he just looks like the way he runs. He does look quite lackadaisical, but he's not. He's not a lazy player because, you know, we're not seeing the same guy who went shoulder to shoulder with Yaya Touré and left him eating grass. Mm. We're seeing a different player who, for me, just doesn't seem to look as bothered as he should be. And it's trying to describe how I feel about it, but he's he's kind of in that place now where he knows we're down, he knows he's going to have at least three or four Premier League teams who want to take him off us. And for the rest of the season, what's the point in pushing yourself because we're down? That's kind of where that's kind of where I see Coney at. And I think I think that's probably why he didn't play, didn't play the last match. Do I think, think he, yeah, so? you know, Mike has a lot of trust in O'Shea, and I think he likes Denia, who for me has looked better at centre half than he has anywhere else. Mm. He has the last few weeks. Yeah. He's looked really good. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you, I think I think I've I've actually had a I put an article out a day on the side about which players I know we might come to this later, but about which players I would be on. Um, which ones I would offer new contracts and so on of the players who were out of contract in the summer. And quite, I, I was sh- I was actually quite shocked by the amount of people who don't want us to keep O'Shea. Mm. And I just think, you know, you, you look at how much he's played since he come here, regardless of his age, and how you know managers fall back on O'Shea and, and same as same as you know the man to, to put in the team when when we're not we're not doing so well or we're lacking a little bit of leadership or stability. I just think. From now until the end of the season, Moyes is probably going to stick with O'Shea if he's fit because, because just for that reason solely, you know, we haven't we haven't got a great deal of leaders in the team as it is, mm-hmm. and just to stop further embarrassment, capitulating every week, you probably need him and cut them all in the team for as long as you can get them in. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't see where Coney fits in. I don't um, know where he fits in unless we go with the three at the back. To be honest, I'll well, do I mean, that. We are going to certainly we are going to talk about player contracts uh, shortly, but just with regards to Coney. What do you reckon about? Is that something we, something we can definitely expect to go now? Is that like we're going to see? Is the saga going to resume, or is he going to go straight away? Is he going to go for big money? Is it going to be the same sort of money that was mooted during the transfer window when we did everything to hold on to him? No, it I, won't be. I, I don't think it'll be the same kind of money that Everton were quoted to be bidding uh, in the summer or in January. I, I, I can't. I just think if I was say if I was Ronald Koeman and you were looking at him last. Um, Last summer, I just look at his attitude and I think, do you want a player like that around the club? You know, someone who, instead of getting his head down, he got given a new contract, he got what he asked for, remember? And mm-hmm. instead of, you know, thinking, right, I get my head down, you know, we might go down, but at least we go down and, you know, he'll give a good account of himself. He hasn't. He's been pretty pathetic, bar one or two games. When he came back from the African Cup of Nations, he looked really, really good for a couple of, a couple of games. And then again, it's, you know, the last few weeks, he's been, he's been dire. There's a fantastic picture away at Bournemouth, I think it is, when we concede. And you can see Jordan Pickford screaming because he's so frustrated at conceding. Kone looks like he just doesn't give a toss. He, really... he always looks like that, doesn't he? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I think he, he just has that look on his face constantly. Yeah, but not in the same way as like, I mean, Kenwin Jones was really, I mean, he's one of my favorite players. Actually, he looked, in inverted commas lazy at times but I think it was just like his demeanour wasn't it with Kone I see a different demeanour this season to what I did last last season yeah completely different is it when you say about money um, I, I don't know if we're going to just like a fire sale and just try and get rid of everyone as cheaply as possible but uh, Kone uh, he's got that clause in his contract he's like an £18 million release clause so I don't th- I don't think they would have put that in if they didn't want to sell him for that price. I mean, I don't know how we're going to deal with selling players and we're going to try and get the bet, the most amount of money possible. Like some of these other relegated teams, who, like remember when Steve, like Wolves managed to squeeze every penny out of us for Stephen Fletcher, despite them like being dead and buried and gone. 
Um, so I don't know whether I don't know how bad the finances are that we're just going to say uh, like say Everton came in and said ten mil for Kone. If we just go yeah, go on then, or we say well actually he's got a release clause of eighteen million, and if you don't if you're not paying that well you're not having him. See I don't know which way we're going to go because when we got relegated uh, under Bob Murray a couple of years in two thousand three that was just kind of sell all our players. Just get them out just as cheaply as possible. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I'm not really sure how it's gonna how they're gonna do that. But Kone Kone will be gone as soon as as soon as either our our estimation our valuation is met or someone triggers this release clause. I mean, he's not worth 18 million on last season of this season's showing. But I think we're just gonna try and get as much money possible out of these. And if you don't, if we can't sell them well. You're just staying then, I guess. You're under contract. <laughs> yeah, well, I would like to see that. But um, well, now moving on to uh, to contracts. Uh, that was mentioned earlier. We talking about John O'Shea. Uh, Gav, you mentioned Jason Denier. Now we've got some questions on Twitter again. Uh, we've got we've got Lee Armstrong here, and he's asking if Jason Denier was available, would you have him permanently? So, Gav, do you want that question? Would you? Yeah, um, I think if he's available, yes, hundred percent. Because Man City um, is is too high a level for him, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not got yeah. any future there. And that, but the, the problem is, I think when you take his age into consideration, you know, he, I think he's still twenty one, so he's, he's still very young. Um, if he's available, there's going to be far better teams than us for him. Like, um, I just I just think I think we'd struggle to keep a hold of him unless he's really enjoyed playing under David Moyes. You just got to kind of consider that, don't you? You know, he, is he, is he, is he, he so good that we ones. couldn't keep hold of him? Um. Yeah, I think there's probably yeah, going to be a, a number. Yeah, I do. I think there'll be a number of European clubs who would love him. Yeah, I'd agree. What like. C- especially what for what Man City would let him go for. I think he's probably more suited to a to a more European game than the Premier League. Mm. I think he's a little bit. He's a little bit more slight. Good ball player. Reads the game well. Quite pacey. So he'd probably fit in in the team in France. Um, mm. definitely in a team um in Turkey because you know he's already done well there. So I think I think he's not going to struggle for clubs. I think Man City probably let him go for next to note because it's just a player off the off the wage bill who's not really going to contribute anything to them. And you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure they would. They're, no. they're, they're he's really highly thought of there. Like really highly mm. thought. Of. There's a lad on Talk Sport. I think it was all Five Live one or the other saying that I think inside the club he's really highly rated. Um, obviously he's been tipped for years, hasn't he? Is this almost like the Vincent Company replacement. That's certainly not going to be the case. Like we've seen he, he certainly has his shortcomings, but he'll I think they'll what they'd want over ten million for him. Myself, I really do. Big missed opportunity in my opinion, Jason Denea. It took Moyes until our last eight to ten games to realise he was the best centre back at the club. I think if you look at him over the last month, how good he's been I think if anyone's getting dropped for Kone, it has to be O'Shea. has to be O'Shea. His whole time at Sunderland, O'Shea has struggled against athletic centre-forwards. Negredo's not that athletic, but he still definitely has the beating of O'Shea in his air. But I just look at Denea and the amount of time we wasted playing him in central midfield because Moyes was probably too conservative and reluctant to give him a run of games at centre-back. I just look at it and think, in two, three years' time, I agree with you guys. Man City, probably a level above what he's going to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's sniffing around the Champions League as a starting centre-back. And you just think, cool, if we'd have used him properly, we mightn't have stayed up. But we definitely, definitely wouldn't have been as bad as we have been. I think he's been very good this last month. He's still a bit raw. His decision-making still isn't great. But the fact that we wasted so much time with the Jason Zanea holding midfielder experiment, I think it looks bad now. I think in two, three years' time, it'll look really embarrassing that we used him in that way. Interesting. Interesting. A spanner in the works. <laughs> Gareth, what do you make of that? Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's impossible. Obviously, hindsight's great in it, but... I just think there was a there was a time when he looked quite good in the centre midfield. Yeah, he, did, he, uh, he looked that, yeah. promising, didn't he, when he started? Yeah, it was around the time we were winning games. Uh, a brief brief period we did November December time. He looked all right there. Then it quickly became apparent that he wasn't a centre mid because he just doesn't have the ability to play as a midfielder. He's always been always been a defender, and he, he 
patently a very good one. He's quite good in the air. He's a game well, like I say. So I just think I just think that he'll not stay here. If he does, it might be another loan, which would be great because at the end of the day, it's a good player for another year. I mean, but I, I, I just think I just think he's probably going to be looking at it himself and thinking, well, I'm at the right age now where I need to be playing regular football. Maybe it's time to move on from Man City. I don't think Man City will hold him back from leaving. And I don't think he'll struggle to find a club. I think he'll he'll be all right. You know, I don't think he'll he'll probably have better offers than Sunderland. Which is a shame, isn't it? Like like James says, it's 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 just a shame that well this season's just been a massive shame, really. There's a lot of misuse of talent being going on at the club. I find I find that more and more as the weeks go on, uh, you know, there's players like there's players like Kazri who we're only just starting to see in the team now. Um, Yanazai, who I think is a lot better than what we've seen. I think he's probably been played in the wrong position that, that doesn't suit him. And you know, I think even in the last eight weeks we've seen how to misuse Jermaine Defoe because he just hasn't had a touch of the ball. It's just a, it's just been a big shame this entire season, really. But Denia, Denia specifically, a very good player, I think who probably going to get a lot better and he'll go into bigger and better things in Sunderland um, I know people probably disagree with this like well, maybe not in this group but you know talking about um, contracts and things like such things but um, Jay mentioned earlier about um, John O'Shea reckons that he should be dropped I mean we're, obviously we're looking at going down in the championship he's one of the oldest serving players at the club and he's obviously he's got some pedigree to him I would agree I think we can all agree that he struggles against athleticism whether or not that's uh, the mitigating factor for a, a centre-back and particularly a, a skipper, um, I'm not entirely sure, particularly if we can line him up with younger, more athletic defenders, certainly. Um, but, Tom, what would you make of O'Shea in the Championship? What do you think his chances are? Uh, his chances? What yeah. do you mean? Well, what do, you th- is it, do you think he'll, he'll suit it? Do you think he'll be, he'll be capable of dealing with that? Is that more his level at his age now? Um See, I'd, I'd be well in favour of giving a new contract just for the sheer, um, sheer sake of experience. You need you need a bit of calm heads back there. I mean, he's not been, but don't get me wrong, he's not been fantastic by this past season. No one has. Um, but he's he's Mister Reliable. He's always like yeah, like it's been mentioned. Every manager falls back. We always end up going back to John O'Shea. He used to be at some point. In, in the course of a season, we'd have a centre-back partnership of going back to West Brown and John O'Shea. So I think his experience would be valuable in that. Um, however, like, however difficult the championship may seem, I, when you watch some of these games live, I watched Not- uh, Norwich versus Brighton on on Friday night. I mean, Norwich, uh, Brighton have already been promoted or whatever, so they're probably a bit hungover. But the standard is quite poor. And when you play in... Like there'll be a handful of that that top six probably will once again be competitive, but from about from about eighth to anything down at the bottom, it's all complete dross. Yeah. And I th- and I think I don't think John O'Shea would struggle, and it would be quite. I think we need some kind of like a young young centre half to partner him with, preferably either one that already plays in the championship or is willing to take the drop down, and so they can learn alongside O'Shea. And he probably won't start every game because he's about, I don't know how old, about 35 or something, and he'd be 36, whatever. Uh, but he'd be useful to have, and hopefully we won't play as much, but we say that every year, and he always ends up playing loads because managers just seem to like him. And there's not been, I wouldn't say there's been any point where he's like really let us down, so yeah, I'd be all in favour of him. Captain's in the championship. I, I, I definitely agree. I think having someone of his experience around is, is just like invaluable, not just for the first team, but for the young'uns around the place as well. Um, I think if you look at the teams who are going up this year from the championship and you look at the teams who are going down, I don't, I think there's no one that's, who's going to be as good as the likes of Brighton or Newcastle. You know, I, I think John O'Shea would be able to breeze through 20 to 25 games of that season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not played at a great pace. I think, as Tom says, you have someone with a with a bit more legs alongside him. Whether that's like we've got Tom Beadlin in the youngsters, I don't know if he's any good, but it'd be nice to see someone come through. Or if we bring someone in who's a bit quicker, that's all you'd need. I, I, I really do think he's the kind of head you'd want to want around the place. Because I, I mean, he, he might end up turning into a really decent 
um, coach or manager. You know, he's played under played under Sir Alex Ferguson, so you know he's he, he's got some good experience. Um, I think it'd be silly to let him go. I just, I just, I'm sorry, but I just really don't see it. I know I'm in the minority, but I just really don't see the point in wasting his wages on him. Like we're expecting him to play half the games. We're talking about experience. He's been at the club through all the rottenness, all the sort of accusations of a drinking culture at the club, all the bad patches. Are we sure that he's not just part of the problem? I I don't enjoy watching him play football. I think he's too conservative. I think if we want to go into championship games and be a dominant team and play high up the pitch and suffocate the opposition, actually try and win a few football matches, do we really want John O'Shea passing backwards to the goalkeeper? Do we really want him calling our back line back and giving the opposition a bigger pitch to play in. I just I just really think if we're a skin, as everyone thinks we are, and when you consider our recent history of losing matches, I'm not really too sure what he offers. I really I just I just don't see it. I think it's time to move on. I, I think he will get another contract for the reasons you mean. Um, everyone's mentioned the sort of fallacy of of the idea that yeah, yeah, experience Oh, played under Fergie. Yeah, keep him on board. But really, I think if we're going to be a smarter football club than we have been under Ellis Short and we're going to move forwards, tough decisions need to be made on players like O'Shea. What are they really offering on the pitch? What What is this intangible experience? How valuable is it? And personally, I know I'm in the minority, but I'd, I'd move on from him. Well, it's interesting. I mean, very good points there, my boy James. But um, it was only recently that he got a contract renewal, wasn't it? It was only a one-year extension. So, is that? I, I don't find it likely that they will be desperate to keep him. To be honest, whether I think he should stay or not, I don't think that they'll be desperate to do it. Obviously, it all depends. We don't know how many people will have to sell or what will actually end up in the end. So, it might just be desperation forces our hand. Do you know what I mean? But talking about, we've we've got a lot of players out of contract. So just. Quick list, Pinar, Lescott, Honeyman, Larson, Kirchhoff and Ichibi. Now out of those, I can pick two that I would perhaps offer a contract. You know, and to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure that they'd take it. I mean, you look at the likes of Lescott. I mean, we're not going to keep him around, surely. Yeah, what a, what a waste of money. Yeah, not for, he had a great time on that, didn't he? He's just like, yeah, I'll come and just park my ass on the subs bench for the next one. If, if that, if that, do you know what I mean? Terrible. I don't know. What do you make of them, Tom? Oh, out of contract. Anyone you'd keep? Um, I'd offer uh, probably only... Sorry, give me that list again. <laughs> We've got O'Shea and Ichibi, Pinar, Lescott, Honeyman, Larson and Kirchhoff. Out of those, I'd probably give offer an Ichibi another contract. Uh, like you said, I'm not sure he'd take it. Um, I've got this feeling that, he, that Seb Larson's going to get a new contract Ugh. because mm. of how Moyes was talking him up the other week. It's mm. how we've missed him. Um, oh yeah, was he talking about reliability or something like that? Yeah, it's just yeah. Britishness yeah. or whatever. Reliability, <laughs> shite. Yeah, it's just like you don't, you don't. This is just a wind up now, isn't it? It's just um, the rest of them. Kershaw, uh, I don't know. I think he might even retire at the end of this year. He's yeah. he's out for another eight weeks because he's fallen over something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Pinar and Lescott, uh, no point. And well, I've. I'd had me rant about George Honeyman a couple of months ago. I just don't think he's very good, but we've got to pretend he is because he's because he's from Sunderland or wherever. Um, I think they'll if they were going to give him a new contract, they would have done it by now. Um, yeah, just probably probably just the uh, probably just an each of it. Um, but like you said, he might he might want to go to China or wherever. He might not fancy the championship. But yeah, it's not it's slim pickings really. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd really consider giving Kershaw one just because I think he's Why? arguably the best midfielder I've ever seen play for Sunderland. I think he's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. I think that six month spell under Sam Allardyce, he was just like he's just unbelievably classy. He was a Rolls Royce, and yes, I know he's had a, a terrible injury record this year, but, but he had, he had a terrible him on, injury record before we got him as well. Don't yeah, but 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 we're saying that we're going to offer an each of you a contract. He's had equally a bad as bad uh, an injury yeah, record, you know. Not I as bad as Kershaw this year. I, well, he's played like two I think, games. I think, yeah, I think um, Anitabi's only played 100 games in his career or something. He's, mm. he's about 28 years old. Mm. I think, like, Kershaw, he's. I mean, I'm not saying give him a bumper contract. We're talking about a one year 
you know, prove his fitness. If you can get, you know, 20, 25 games out of Kershaw in the championship, he'd cruise through that league. He really would. He's so classy. He's absolute. He's an absolute class act. If you can, if you could harness, if you could harness him for even half the matches, he's probably worth giving a contract to. If people say Victor Nietzsche is worth giving a contract to, I think Kershaw is because they're both equally injury prone. You probably shouldn't give either of them one, really, because if you need, if he wants to build a young, hungry, reliable squad, <laughs> neither of them should be given a new contract. Thing is, with with the players that we're talking about as well, um, Larson, Oshie, and Nietzsche. And Kirchhoff in particular, um, you've kind of got to consider just how much we're going to be able to do in this transfer window as well. You know, I think yeah. I think you're talking about if, if all of these players left, you're on about replacing ten players because you've got three loanees as well. Mm. On top of that, we already needed reinforcements because we've got a pretty small squad. And then added all together, just you kind of wonder how much we're even going to have to spend, what players are available, and would even come to us. Um, I just wonder whether, for the sake of, you know, easiness, Moyes might just offer them all contracts because I can, I can well see it. I think I think the one least likely to get a deal is probably Kirchhoff because he's the one who's played the least under uh, under David Moyes. I, I did, I, Even I less, it, Scott. No, I can uh, see. No, no, you know, no, now Gav's so, talking about, yeah, no, talking talking about this. I can see Lescott getting off the contract on that basis less, alone. It, his and him and Pienaar cannot get contract lads, surely. Going with Gav's logic here, right? Going with Gav's logic, yeah, we'll, good point. We'll, we will be desperate. Do you know what I mean? We could potentially be desperate and we could have very little room to manoeuvre. And he's already there. And is he really... He'll, he'll probably look at it that, like that. You know what I mean? He's had him there. He's been training. He's been at all the training games. Or during training, we've been... Like, getting his fitness back up and that. Would it make sense to then tell him to go away at the end of the season, just before pre-season starts... For the championship, a lower league, you know, um, I can see the logic to Moyes offering him a contract. Like, I think, I think, I think it'll not happen. But I can, I can definitely see situations where we might offer contracts to certain players. I think, in particular, Oshie and Ichibi Larson Kirchhoff. I think, I think those are the four that are most likely to get new deals. Um, but they wouldn't, you know, you can probably make a case for everyone, bar maybe Pienaar. I think Pienaar's the only one really where you can't really make a case for him. Mm. Lescott. As daft as it sounds, because he's never kicked the ball, I just feel as though he's a player that he might bring in and just have to sit on the bench next year as well. Where it's else is he going to go? He'd probably go to another championship club. So, mm. it's, you know, I can, I, I can. To be honest with you, I don't know what David Moyes wants to do in the summer. If his plan is to totally, you know, strip the, the squad bare, keep maybe a handful of players, and then bring in, bring in, you know a lot of young new players and great but I just don't see that we'll have the funds to do it and I think I, I think there'll be there'll be a lot less manoeuvring around than we expect and I don't think we'll be signing as many quality players as people maybe expect um, I just don't even put a downer on anything I just think that's kind of the case <laughs> you know? I think uh, I've got I've just got I've got I've got no faith really that that will will solve all of our problems in this summer window mm. I think that this long-term plan, a supposed long-term plan, is probably going to go beyond this next year as well. It's going to be a slow. In terms of recruitment, you know, yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think we'll, we'll necessarily be able to bring in the players that we want. Or, God, all of that's them. depressing, isn't it? Um, it is, but it makes but sense. It, it's, it's logical. It's logical, I think, yeah, because it is, it is. I, just, I don't, I don't see how you can just suddenly wipe the slate clean. The summer he's already had mm. two transfer windows, which were basically just to consolidate the season, bring players in who would tide us over. Many of them who were the ones out of contact, but I just I don't know. I think I think in the summer that we'll definitely see a raft of players come in, but I don't think there'll be so many leaving. I think we'll still have the crux of this team. I think you'll still see Ndong, Catamore, Gibson. I think you'll probably hang on to Manoni even if he wants to leave. I think there's there's just a lot less manoeuvring around to be done, you know. Billy Jones, Love will stay. Jillabodji's probably going to be first choice next season because mm. of the amount of money we've supposedly well put put down for him. Um, I just yeah, I don't think there's going to be enough money there to just totally wipe the slate clean. Like maybe Newcastle have. You look at the team that they they put out most weeks, and it's you know doesn't unrecognisable really compared to the one that they had last year. I don't mm. think we'll maybe sell enough players for the money that you need to be able to do that. No, we won't Bob, spend Bobby, twelve million exactly. on a striker, will we, or twelve million no. on a midfielder? But what you said earlier, where 
he said, um, I don't know, we won't know what David Moyes, we don't know what David Moyes wants to do. I hope David Moyes knows what he wants to do because it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing because he's, it's not like, he's not like he's bought into a, any blueprint because it, it's not been all British players. It's been a bit of a mix. It's been old. It's been young. Um, it's been just a bit of a botched job. And when you look at those out of contact players, I mean, I'm terrified that Seb Larson is going to get a new deal. Because, and I think he will. I think after his points in midweek, or not in midweek, but a couple of weeks ago, he obviously sees him as a as a reliable a reliable player. And I think he's just going to get worse and worse. And in the championship, he's just going to be just an absolute plodder, isn't he? Five five goals, you know, in five seasons. Larson scored. Is that it? I don't think he's. I don't think he scored any in the last two or three. It's um, ranked that net. Absolutely. For midfielder plays pretty much every time he's fit. Yeah. Dead ball awful. specialist, didn't he? Free kicks. That's free kick taken in the Premier League. Yeah. I'll never forget that. It's been a while since I've played FIFA, mind, but yeah, I always love hearing that. Now, um, with regards to, I mean, talking. Talking about Moyes there, he brought that up briefly. Um, we've got another question on Twitter from Reese Benson. And he's asking, why, when he's been so negative from the outset, does Moyes feel the need to pretend we have a chance of survival at this stage? Anyone can cover that? Hard to, hard to say, really. I mean, I guess because it happened under Poirier, maybe, maybe he's crossing his fingers. Maybe it, just a little part of him thinks... I'll look like a genius if I turn it around. But, but yeah, no, it's a very fair point. I mean, we, yeah, we all thought we had a chance of staying up and he gave off the impression he didn't at the start of the season. And then all of a sudden it's, it's gone completely 180 where he's there. He's talking about his win percentage and it, it just seems like he's bluffing. It seems like he's, he's played his hand. He's got no faith in the squad he's got in front of him. And now he's, he's sort of trying to bluff. To, to, to back his way out of the corner. I, I don't know. I think he's he's clearly lost his confidence. I think we're looking at a, a fairly broken manager who's lost faith in his ability to do his profession after Manchester United. And that's that's really the crux of why now when everyone else is thinking, OK, tough season in the championship, or, or even sort of a more realistic person might say, if worse comes to worse and we go down, we're still fighting for pride in the these last few games he's sort of not doing that to rewind back to what Gav said I thought that um, he made a good point about sort of Moyes wanting to keep a core together not wanting as much turnaround as we had in the summer and from the outside looking in he looked like he was well out of his comfort zone with the amount of transfers he had to make in a short period of time before the start of the season and I imagine in his head keep Seb Larson or if I can keep Another couple of these guys that are out of contract I at least know what they can do. It's not as risky as bringing someone in from the cold. If we sign someone from France, how do we really know they're not going to be another Gillibodji? I mean, I imagine, like Gav said, he'll want to keep the same players. I think for all the reasons we mentioned, there's no one on that list that absolutely has to be a Sunderland player in the summer. There's no one that really, either by talent or their ability to stay fit, and be play consistently over 46 game season should be considered shoe-ins. But I think that definitely two or three will stay, most likely last and being top of the list for the reasons that you guys mentioned. Fair enough. Another bunch of succinct points from you, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, with regards to, the, for, for my own uh, take on it, I, I've already said, I, I kind of agree with the sort of, um, the scenario that Gav was describing in which we might end up with um, Lescott. I mean, going down into the championship, although it's not such a massive gap or anything like that in talent or anything, and certainly uh, it could be described as rougher, it should certainly rougher around the edges. With regards to the players that we haven't really seen much of, do you know what I mean? Like, um, I mentioned that I think certain players were brought in for the championship specifically. Uh, looking at players like Paddy McNair, obviously with injuries and things like that, that hampered him. But Djilobodji uh, as well, are we going to see uh, like an opportunity for them to actually prove themselves without the pressure? that they Because a lot of these players, they did come into a very high-pressured situation. Do you know what I mean? I, I made this point last week, on the last show, I think, that I've kind of got a theory that there's a number of players that he just doesn't want to put in the mix right now. Mm. Um Gooch being one of them, Donald Love, Jill Abodji, 
you know, unspectacular players, but players that are probably going to be pretty important to us next year. And there's no real need to play them um, when when you know we're bottom of the league and the fans are on, you know, on on their knees essentially, just totally distraught by what's happened this year. There's no point in throwing players who traditionally haven't reacted well to pressure into a pressure situation, which is, you know, love Jillabodji and and Gooch essentially, you know, lads who are probably going to form the crux of our squad next year, be very important to us over the 46 games. Um, I, I just, I feel as though maybe that you're right, yeah. There, those were specifically bought with a longer view in, in, in mind, knowing that if we went down, they'd probably be a part of the squad. Um, and it, I suppose it all goes back to this theory that some people have, um, some include on this call, that, that we'll maybe preparing to go down last year mm. because we knew that this was inevitable and kind of, you know, deals presented themselves to us. Certain players like, like McNair and Love and, and Jill Abodji that were just, you know, worth taking on, knowing that they would still be here down mm. the line. And have an opportunity to bed them in or early, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, in, in some way, shape or form. Well, I mean, also, uh, back to that brief thing about Moyes, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely sure where the question's coming from because he hasn't struck me at all as a person who's, uh, who's who's trying to be optimistic or anything like that. Do you know, I think he does the bare minimum and we can accept that of him. He, it's the bare minimum of what's expected of him. He can't come out and just be completely honest and just be like, look, leave me alone. I know it's bad, just leave me alone, which is obviously what he wants to do. And I saw, I was thinking whether or not this is some big plan or whether he's completely okay with relegation or not. And I watched him on the touchline uh, for the last match and I, I watched his reaction when we nearly scored you know I, I watched that that reaction from him and it was he was gutted he was genuinely into the game and I, didn't, I didn't expect that to him because generally you see him sitting there with his arms folded looking angry but not very animated but he was punching the air he was kicking off for however briefly do you know what I mean and I wonder if that is a sign of the frustration of mounting pressure on him not necessarily from his employer not necessarily from Ellis Short, like if you do this wrong, then I'm going to sack you because we, we can all agree that's not really going to happen. So that can't be where the pressure's coming from. So is the pressure, what was mentioned earlier, about him being broken? I don't believe he's broken necessarily, but I, I certainly agree with the point that he perhaps feels, well, he feels sorry for himself, really, I suppose is the best way to put it. Is, there, is he looking at it and thinking, well, I'm doing my best, but it's not working out for me? Do you know what I mean? And he's dropping about that. Would be a certain, a certain sense of pride in in yeah. that. I don't. I don't think he. He may look like it, but he ob- he obviously cares. It's his profession. It's what he's worked all his life to do. So yeah, there's, there's probably a certain amount of his, his own. He, his, his ego is probably taking a massive battering because he thought he was again. <laughs> again, because prior to United, he was you know the next well the latest hot trend or whatever. If you want to. Imagine David Myers as something quite <laughs> hot and rousing. Trendy. Or, yeah. or trendy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's not going to work here. And I just want him to fuck off. It's been quite nice not having to bother with it for the past two weeks. It's been quite nice. It's been refreshing, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been nice. But then we have to drag ourselves back to it because reality is just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Right, well... I'm afraid that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um, we should probably go through and do a few predictions, really. Uh, Gav, anything to say about the match on Wednesday? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think I think we'll probably get something. I think if uh, if anything last week was to anything to go by, I think we've got something about us with Kazri and the team, and I don't think I think we're doomed. They've just got nothing really. Um, I'm not saying that we're anything special, but I just find if you put two poor teams on the pitch, it's going to be one that has a little bit more than the other eventually. Mm. Um, I don't think it'll be nil-nil. I think it'll be. I think we'll probably maybe sneak a one-nil win. I think. I think Kazu will be influential again. I think he's got to start, and I just hope. I hope he starts because if he doesn't, there'll be absolute hell on. Um, but yeah, one-one-nil Sunday. I'm going for. Fair enough. What about you, Tom? Nil-nil. Uh, nil-nil. Straight up nil-nil. James. Yep. Two-one Sunderland. Um, with Gav, potentially our last win this decade in the Premier League. <laughs> Two on Sunderland. That's since you put it like that. Lovely. What about you, Jim? Uh, I'm going to go 3 0 Sunderland and we're going to mount the greatest escape ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm go I think we'll win by a goal. 
I think I think it's going to be a, a relatively high scoring game for us for these two teams. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can see either us with a three one or them with a three one. I don't know which way it'll be, but I like to think that coming down to it, both teams will see that mathematically, technically, there's still a way of keeping themselves up, and hopefully they'll play for that. I can't see it though personally, but yeah. So let's see how it goes. Uh, yeah, join us again next week when we will have. All the latest news and be able to report, you'll, you'll no doubt know, but we'll let you know how that went. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on the ACAST app and on iTunes. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. This is the Work Report signing off. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.